Hi. One of the features here on Less the Book Coach is going to be a weekly podcast. Everybody has a story. I spent 17 years in radio asking questions, and until I started this series, I had no idea how much I missed it. The format of these podcasts is going to be a guest and me in a conversation, and you get to eavesdrop. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed the conversation. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to Everybody Has a Story. Our guest today is Connie Phelan from Firepower Seminars. Connie, you and I met a couple of, uh, well, I guess it's close to a month ago when uh, we started working on your book. But what what has really interested me and, and the reason for today's conversation is Firepower Seminars. What do you do? What, How do you help people? Well, Firepower Seminars started as a company that would help people through firewalking. And um, we, uh, we would use firewalking to help empower people and help companies. And, um, and it has grown uh, into other activities and team building and speaking um, because we've just learned so much about what people need and that not everybody is ready for a firewalk um, to start on their journey. Now, you say that you started to help people with fire walking. Like, um, is there a demand or, or how does somebody come about? Like, I have to be honest and say that I have never once been sitting here saying, geez, I should learn how to fire walk. I wonder, I wonder how that would be. <laughs> what, what's the purpose here? How does it help people or, or why do they come up with this idea? Well, I've actually only met a few people that actually had firewalking on their bucket list. It was never on mine. Um, and I, it, it's not the kind of thing that, you know, I, I haven't heard of anybody talking about that they, you know, somebody was on their deathbed saying, no, I can't go yet. I haven't firewalked. Don't take me yet. Um, it's just not that kind of thing. It's, um, I would compare it to skydiving, something that pretty much everybody can do, but most people don't or won't so that's um <laughs> it's funny that you ask about you know is there a demand for it and uh there is a demand for a certain type of person or leader um but that seems to be a very rare person with vision um so that's why we grew into doing other breakthrough activities because the fire the fire can be really um just terrifying or too too big of a challenge to take that first bite out of uh, somebody empowering themselves. Um, do, do it you, happened to be where I started with, with fire, but do you remember your first your first fire walk? I would think that this is a pretty special experience. It's not not something that that would be quickly forgotten. Tell us tell us about your first experience. Yeah, you definitely remember it. It's like a first kiss. Um, so. My first firewalk came from an opportunity with a, an advertising agency that I worked for. And the, um, the two crazy women that I worked for, they were doing all of these, um, these things like firewalking and jumping off 50-foot poles and ropes courses. And, and they saw value in it, so they, um, <laughs> they would spend money sending their, their team members, the people that worked for them, on these uh, adventures. 
and um, just my luck, I get hired, and I'm the only one um, during this time when Tony Robbins is coming to town. So I'm uh, I'm strongly encouraged to attend his four day um, four day training, which starts the first night with a firewalk. And um, you know, really, to be honest, less the thought of it was terrifying. I didn't even know what firewalking was. Like you, I didn't see a reason to do it. Didn't really. Um, was never going to be something on my list of things to do in life. And it turned out to be life-changing. Um, the, the whole experience of, of um, and I guess it's, it, it's from doing the impossible, doing something that first you didn't even know existed to that exists. Why in the world would somebody do that to, holy cow, I'm getting ready to do this thing. I hope I survive to not just surviving it, but really, really um, realizing what you can truly do with the right mindset. Now, I've had the the privilege of, of attending a, a one-day Tony Robbins event, and while it, it was impactful, I can't say that it, you know, changed my life dramatically. What I was very impressed with sitting in the audience was the control, the power that this man has over the audience that that is what I was really aware of what's it like at a four-day event how much enthusiasm or how much control does he exert like how many people are gonna walk on fire well there was probably and I'm, I'm gonna guess there's probably like 1500 people there when I was there and I would say most of them walked most most people walked with the opportunity to walk most people did and um which is really amazing and and what i what i've experienced in teaching firewalking when i when i am in front of a group and presenting it it's always presented as voluntary and my experience is that since day one since our very first events almost every person at an event will have walked and um, many times they walk more than once because they can't believe how easy it was and um, which is really something to hear, you know, I'm, I'm always there to greet them as they come off the fire. And what I hear most often is I can't believe how easy that was. And they're almost like laughing at themselves because they had worked themselves up into, into such a state of fear and, and uh, apprehension going into the experience. Um, and I think that's the real lesson in, in firewalking is, is, is that we can make things so much more difficult or impossible with just what we're thinking about it before we do it. So at a Tony event, most people do fire walk. The energy is amazing. You know, they give you that big, big glass of Kool-Aid as you walk in the room. And um, <laughs> <Whoa>. that helps. <laughs> now that's, that's scary. So, you've, <laughs> you know, and, and I've been working with you for, for a few weeks. I know that you've got some other, uh, some other tricks in the bag that not everybody is ready for a fire walking. Tell us about some of the other impossible experiences that firepower seminars brings well you know i'm a big fan of firewalking because i started you know my first uh, thing that really got me started in this personal development um, phase of my life was firewalking but the, my favorite thing to facilitate and to really see bring change in people is breaking boards with your bare hands and again it's something that almost anybody can do but most people don't think is possible and um, it's just amazing to take a, a room full of, of people 
you know, it happens a lot in corporate events. They bring us in, we, you know, I'm getting a message that they want to convey through this activity because it, it's never about, you know, just breaking a board or just walking on fire. It's like, what, what does this, what does this breakthrough mean? And, and how do you take this and apply it to the real world? So when we do this, there's, there's always a message that, some, that uh, an, or, an event organizer wants their people to take away from this. And to be able to stand in front of a group and they have faith in, you know, in me and I guide them through this experience. And, and a lot of times they don't know it's coming. It's like a surprise. Halfway through the speech, we tell them they're going to be challenged. And all of a sudden boards come out from the back of the room and you hear it gasping and, and the boards get handed out. and You see the knuckles wrapping on the boards and they're like, this is real. This is real wood. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, and the, um, yeah, you can just feel the, the mood of the room change. And, um, and then they start, you know, identifying, you know, based on what the organizers, sometimes they're identifying goals they need to reach. And then on the other side of the board, they write down what's stopping them from reaching those goals. You know, could be a limiting belief that they have, that they're not, you know, they're not worthy or they're not experienced enough or, you know, it's too hard. Um, and then when all demonstrate and then when they start breaking the boards, you just hear pop, 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 you know, hundreds and hundreds of of boards breaking at the same time in, in, in a big room. And then it starts to smell like a lumber yard, which is awesome. And um, it just, I can tell you less, it never gets old watching people and how they change from being uh, doubting they can do it to uh, being determined. Like you can see the moment that right before they break the board, and I can almost look at somebody's face and know whether they're going to break it or not on that next, on that, that on their shot through the board. And then, the sh- some people are totally shocked that it broke. And my first thought is, is, why are you so surprised? You can do this. I mean, it was so easy for you to do. Why are you so surprised at this? And um, so I love board breaking. We do brick breaking, which is the same kind of experience, just a little more intense. Um, arrow breaking, you know, putting an arrow in the soft part of your throat. And um, this is really good for goal setting and, and, and um, really staying focused on a target and rebar bending. So these are all breakthrough activities that we use, which when we introduce them, people always think they're impossible. No way, you've lost your mind, this is crazy. And um, within a few minutes, they're all able to do it. It's just um, awe-inspiring what people will do when they get out of their own way. Now, uh, I have the benefit of of working with you on your book, and and I know a few of the stories. Uh, I think one of the most interesting stories uh, that you've told me to date is is about skydiving, and that you were you had this experience uh, at a Tony Robbins event, and then it was years later, and and you're going to be teaching firewalking, but you feel that you need a you need a scare, you need to go through something, so you decide to go skydiving tell us how that went <laughs> how it went well i survived as you can tell yeah um, and, i mean and that's I, a good I thing because that allows us to have this interview <laughs> otherwise uh, you know i'd be short for this friday but yeah <laughs> that worked out well for both of us um well as you know because we're on chapter five now i can probably say i survived the first four chapters um i am not a fearless person and um, so when I firewalked, it was pretty transformative for me because I'm, I'm not a daredevil. And then for the next, I'd say, seven years, I was, it kind of opened up a whole new world of possibility for me. I started traveling and, 
uh, you know, maybe uh, doing some, visiting some sacred sites, working with shamans in Ireland and Peru, and really doing a lot of delving into what makes me tick and, and you know, my life's purpose and why am I here, and, and um, doing a lot of extreme activities. And when it came time for me to teach firewalking, which was um, really tying into my life's purpose, and, and I went from advertising, you know, a whole different world of um, working with, you know, one-on-one with people to now I'm going to be standing in front of a group and having to inspire them to do something that, one, sometimes they don't want to do because their company has sent them, or two, you know, they want to do it, but they're not so sure they can. And you got to kind of work them through the fear. And I had grown a lot, and I wanted to make sure I hadn't lost, I hadn't lost that experience of my first fire walk and how terrifying it was. I wanted to be able to notice and, and remember what those people were going through as they stand in front of the fire. So for me, I thought, well, skydiving would be it, because that was the thing that I thought I would die if I did it. Um, so terrifying that I really thought, well, this this level of fear would certainly, you know, stimulate a heart attack in me. And so I thought, well, when I have that thought, it's like, well, I have to do it. And I have to do it before I have my first fire walk. Um, so I did it on my 40th birthday. But I had to I had to sneak out of the house and not tell anyone I was doing it because I don't know if you've ever had this experience, Les, but, you know, you get this great idea and suddenly, like, everybody that um, is giving you their opinion that you didn't ask for, you can't do that, you'll die, what if this happens, what if that happens, what if the chute doesn't open, you know, they give you a million reasons why you shouldn't be doing it. A lot of people call that common sense, but you and I know they're wrong, so... <laughs> You, you gotta go. You, you gotta go ahead with this. <laughs> uh, they're absolutely wrong. Um, so I did. I I, I did this uh, just with the help of one friend who um, <laughs> who drove you to the field yeah. and and could take the message back in in case things went wrong, right? Right. I am realistic in my planning, and I didn't want to be disappearing on the morning of my fortieth birthday, and then God forbid something goes wrong. And they're like, everybody's at the house, like, where is she? What happened? And nobody knowing for a few days. Now, I, I had a plan. I had this all planned out left. So, um, but also, I love my friend John, and we have a great time together. And I knew he, of all people, would appreciate this. So I, I set up a plan and uh, told him to meet me somewhere Saturday morning, 7 a.m. Don't ask me any questions. I'll, you know, I'll fill you in. And um, like a good friend, like I knew he would do it, he was there. And so we head down to Homestead, and I get uh, we get to the airport, and um, the whole time I'm going through this experience, I'm waiting for this dread and fear to set in, and uh, I sign all these forms, signing my life away. Um, I get fitted for this hideous <laughs> jumpsuit, uh, very unflattering, and uh, harness, and they teach me how I'm going to skydive, and I'm going tandem, of course, because it's my first jump, and the... Um, the guy that I'm jumping with is uh, very tall and very experienced, thank goodness, and um, just having a good time. But with each step, I'm still, like, anticipating this fear is going to happen. Like, I am going to be, like, like you know, in the cartoon where the, you see the little heart racing and beating out of the little cartoon character so much, you, the heart's leaving the chest. Like, I'm waiting for that kind of fear with every step. So he teaches me, I get dressed, you know. We get strapped together with our harnesses so tight, and um, then we get on this little plane, and 
<clears throat> this is funny because you know I'm jumping out of a plane, which that's way like extreme for me. I'm not a daredevil, I'll remind you. And when I when I go to, to pay for this experience, I have three options. I think it was like 9,000 feet, 11,000 feet, or 13,500 feet. And the highest level is the full minute of free fall. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't need that. I'm going to go with the lowest, <laughs> the lowest altitude. Yeah, I am uh, I'm willing to break through my fears, but I'm still very conservative and very calculated in my risk. And... Um, and so the, the clerk at the counter, she's like, yeah, this is going to be over before you know it. You really don't, you know, you're not even going to experience it. And I'm like, she's like, you know, it's, you should really do the middle one. I'm like, no, I'm fine with it being over before I know it. So, of course, my voice of reason, John, twists my arm. And now I'm going at the, the, mid, the, the middle altitude. That, that's good enough for me. And um, so we get in the plane. And I'm still waiting, you know, with every move, with every new uh, step through this process. I'm still waiting for the fear to come, and um, so we're sitting in the plane, and and it's a little plane. There's no seats, and you're sitting on the floor, and I'm already strapped to this guy, so I'm feeling his breath all the way up. It's 20 minutes of um, climbing in this little tiny plane. Feels like it's even struggling to get up there. So small, <laughs> and uh, when the plane levels out, the pilot announces that we're all dropping from 13,500 feet. And he, and he says it like it's great news. Like, great news today, folks. We're all dropping from 13,500 feet. And I'm like, holy crap. I didn't sign up for this. And um, I'm looking around, and I think there was only like two other tandem jumpers, and everybody else was experienced skydivers. And so I'm thinking, well, this is certainly going to scare me now that we're dropping from higher. So, again, I'm still waiting for that fear to come less. I'm still waiting. And um, this was really amazing to watch. This is probably the most amazing, most amazing thing of the experiences. They roll up this like little garage door on the side of the plane, and all these experienced divers line up on their knees, and they start to, to jump out of the plane. And, and so in an instant, I'm seeing the, the person go from a human being in the doorway of a plane to, in a second, becoming like a little speck of pepper. And so they were jumping few seconds after each other and the sound was the most incredible thing <laughs> it was like shoop, 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 as they're getting as they're jumping and you know out of the out of the plane diving out of the plane and i'm like holy crap this this just got real and i'm still waiting for the fear and I, i'm almost alarmed at how calm i am at this point and um <laughs> but now they're all gone and i'm left and uh and Greg and I, my tandem partner, crawl over on our knees to the to the doorway, and um, the uh, you know I just wrote about this chapter, so I looked at my my pictures from this from this uh, this little adventure, and I'm actually standing there or kneeling on the side of the plane, uh, the s- side of the plane with a smile on my face as we're getting ready to jump, and um, and he says we're jumping on three, one, two, three, jump, and. Uh, I think I imagined I was jumping into a swimming pool because on two, I take this really deep breath in. And so now we're, we're, we're flying through the air and um, it's a full 60 seconds of free fall, which is pretty amazing. And it's like being a human bullet flying through the air at 120 miles an hour, deafening. The sound of the wind is deafening. So he can't hear me. I can't hear him. And 
I can't breathe because I'm trying to inhale, but my, my lungs are already filled with air. So now I'm like, holy shit, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And I'm trying, I'm trying to get his attention, tell him I can't breathe. And he's yelling, inhale, inhale. <laughs> and I can't. It doesn't occur to me because this is like I'm taking it all in. This is so foreign to me that what I actually need to do is the exact opposite. I need to exhale. But in this moment of this experience, I just keep trying to suck in more air for a full minute. <laughs> and that was the most uncomfortable part of skydiving was that I couldn't breathe. And um, so the free fall was amazing. And then it's time to open the chute. I'm watching my little watch telling me the altitude at 6,000 feet. I can open the chute. So I pull the cord and the chute opens. And that was an amazing experience too. The, the force, luckily the force of, of having our momentum stopped forced the air out of my lungs. <laughs> so now I, can, now I can actually breathe and enjoy the experience. And, um, and that was like a whole nother world. Um, almost like I, I shapeshifted into an eagle. It's like that experience. It was, I could see for miles, because it was a clear day, I could see Miami Beach, I could see the cruise ships, I could pick out landmarks, I could see down to the Keys, I could see highway traffic, I could see farm field equipment operating in the field, but I couldn't hear a thing. And it was a stillness that I have never felt here on Earth. And, um, and that was 10 minutes of really just taking it all in. And um, so at this point, is this when you think of how lucky I was that they took me to 13,500? Or when does that thought come to you? That thought comes almost, well, when they announced 13,500, I realized that that's what I needed. It's like I, I was being a coward. You know, I was doubting my abilities when I was standing there paying for my adventure. It's like the girl talked me into the middle, mid-level, and really I should have started at the high level. But, you know, I'm very conservative, like I said, in my risk-taking, so I'm thinking, yeah, mid-level's enough, you know, that's brave enough for me. So when they announced it after I go through this, oh, my gosh, are they kidding me? I realized before we even jumped that this is what I needed. And, you know, if you think about it, life puts us in situations that sometimes we need to be in to grow. And, and frankly, Les, I'm glad that I did jump from there because maybe I would have been left with the doubt of what would it have been like if I would have jumped from higher, you know. And that would have been a lesson, too. And have you had the urge to go back and jump again? I have. Um, with every chapter of my book, I think, would I rather skydive? Or write this chapter, and it's always I would rather go skydiving. <laughs> and no, I actually have thought. I, I appreciate you telling too. me that at the beginning of every call. I'm not sure that that we needed to share that with the listeners on our podcast, <laughs> who might be considering writing a book. <laughs> but uh, put it this way: now it, it's it's all me, and this is this is really um, this is really a good lesson for anybody listening is that I teach firewalking. I teach people to break bricks with their bare hands. I've seen people, I know thousands of people have gone across the fire and um, I'm still not a fearless person. And for me, my personal breakthrough has to come in putting my words on paper. And for other people, this will be a very 
um, probably a very easy process. Um, I definitely couldn't do it without you, Les, because you really, with, um, <laughs> with each chapter, you give me the pep talk at the beginning because I come to you with all my, my doubts and, and should I really be doing this and everything? And you give me my pep talk and then I go off and I do my chapter for the week. So it's like I'm having a, um, it's like I'm having a, what I would compare to somebody doing a firewalk for the first time. I'm experiencing that on a weekly basis, which is always good for personal growth. So, so you're, you're actually making it doable. So the, the book is holding your attention now, and we've got a couple of months of that left, but is, is there something else? What's the next one? Or, or is, is writing the book holding your attention for, for a while? Or what's next on the list? Next on the list of my adventures? Yes. Or? Yeah, I mean, after firewalking, after skydiving, after writing a book, like, is there something else that you have to do to overcome the fear of? Um, I think that is a lifetime process. I don't think fear ever completely goes away. And I actually caution people against that, you know, when they, they leave a firewalk and they are like on cloud nine and they just like, uh, you know, it's just, just such an amazing, it's like creating a miracle in your life. And I challenge them. I, I remind them that, you know, you, you just raise the bar on what's possible for you. And I, I, I let them know that you're, you're going to feel fear again in your life. And the more times that we feel fear and intentionally and consciously take action in the face of fear, that's where the change in us comes from. And that's one of the things I noticed with my skydiving experience was that I, I thought I was doing it so that I could relive that extreme fear that I had seven years previously on my first firewalk. But what happened for me was that I had been doing these things that I feared, like speaking in front of people. And, you know, it's not always these extreme activities. Sometimes it's little things like fixing relationships that, that went bad or, you know, having the, the courage to keep picking up the phone as a, you know, as a new salesperson and breaking through that fear of rejection. So it does, when we break through our fears, it's not always in these extreme things that we do. And what I've noticed is that because I had spent seven years really speaking out and embracing the things that scared me, like writing a book, it has made it so that I feel fear less often. It really changes your relationship with fear. So my next adventure, I don't know, because, you know, we're here in the days of coronavirus, and um, I've never been in a, in a point in my life ever where I have absolutely no plans for the rest of my life. I have no travel on, on my schedule, no adventures, no nothing. But I, I can guarantee you there will be more things that I have to do in my life to overcome my fear. And um, I just so appreciate you working with me on my book because I, I would not be able to do this without the guidance and the weekly pep talk. <laughs> yeah, to be perfectly honest with you. Well, you and I talked about it earlier. The next thing that we have to overcome is our fear of fear and and being not being afraid just because we don't want to be in an uncomfortable situation and because that will uh, bring about a feeling of fear sometimes we can talk ourselves out of things just because we don't want to be in that uncomfortable situation we're going to have mm -hmm. you back on everybody has a story to talk about that one connie thanks so much for your time our guest today has been connie Phelan firepower seminars thank you Les, and thank you for the, thank you for the weekly pet talk that's today's podcast everybody has a story 
I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed asking the questions. And if you have any ideas for an interesting guest or you'd like to hear more on any topic, please send the idea along to lessthebookcoach at gmail.com.